0: Here are my burning questions when it comes to people-pleasing and perfectionism. And they might just be your questions as well. Well, actually, they are your questions. I asked some folks, hey, if you could ask anything as it pertains to you specifically, your personal hurdles when it comes to these two things, what would you ask? And you all sent in some amazing questions. So you're going to want to keep listening if you want to hear answers to Why are decisions so hard? Or why do I apologize for small shit that doesn't even matter? Hey, I am Vicki Smith. I am a psychotherapist and a coach for people pleasers and perfect folks. And this is power to the pleasers. My mission is simple. I want you to do less efforting in relationships and feel more ease in them. And this is the ask and answered episode. So let's jump in. To how we can do that now. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well stick around friend, I'll show you how. Hey everyone, I hope you're well. Today is going to be a little different. We are going to do an ask and answer episode. and. You know, I've heard these podcasts before from people that I follow and always thought, oh, that sounds fun. And so I just posed the question to some Facebook groups and also on Instagram, what do you all want to have answered? What's that one burning question that you're curious about when it comes to people pleasing or perfectionism? And so I put all of these in a little bit in a little list, and I haven't looked at them since I put them in the list a couple of weeks ago. And so I just wanted to be a little bit more spontaneous and relax my perfectionism, recording an episode and just pull up this list, read the question, and just go with it and see what my answer is. <laughs> so Hopefully, this will be helpful. I know it will be helpful. People have said, this is what I want to know about. So these answers are going to be kind of short and sweet, and this episode might be short. Um, We will see, Um, but here we go. Okay, first one. How do you set boundaries in a kind way? Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so I'm just going to say all these questions are excellent because my initial reaction to each one of these questions is going to be, oh my God, that's such a great question. So just know they're all great questions. How do you set boundaries in a kind way? This is something that my clients ask me because when they're finally ready to start speaking up, they still know that they're going to be, um, I don't want to say a pleaser, but they're going to be aware of what other people, how other people respond. So I would say I have this four-step process and I've talked about this before when I was on a podcast and I've tested it and I feel like it works. So the four-step process is first you state your boundary. It's just a statement. It's just a sentence. You kind of take the charge out of it. Just Remind yourself that someone has posed an option to you, an opportunity to you. They've asked a question, they've made a request, and all you're doing is answering. So it's a simple statement. Keep it short, make it easily digestible for the person. So if somebody says, hey, can you pick up my kid from school tomorrow? And you can't because you have a hair appointment. (laughs) And you might say to yourself, Gosh, I could probably just reschedule that. It's just a hair appointment. It's not like surgery. Still, the answer is no. So you want to say, oh yeah, tomorrow is not a good day for me to do that. I actually have another appointment. So that's it. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to do much more than that. Second step is just acknowledge that your no might be hard for them to hear. So letting them know that what they're needing your help with is is still important to you. It's just that you can't fulfill that request. So something like, yeah, I know it's so, um, it's hard sometimes to get the kids after school every single day. Sometimes we just need somebody to fill in. You're not apologizing. You're just acknowledging and validating. Then you state your boundary again and I really wish I could help. It's just this week has been crazy for me. And then you wish them well. That's the fourth step. And that could sound something like, I know you'll find somebody. There's you know, there's always uh, an empty space in a car somewhere. <laughs> um, so the four-step process is you state your boundary very simply. It's just a statement. It's just an answer to a question. You acknowledge what they're going through and validate their need and their request. You restate the boundary again, maybe just a little different this time, but short and sweet, and then you let them know that you hope that they find somebody to help with that request. That is how you set a boundary in a kind way. Next question. Why are decisions so hard for me? I... I really like talking about decisions. I think decisions are really hard for people pleasers because it puts us in this immediate bind of do I choose myself and what's best for me, or do I choose what's best for the other person? Because this is such a uh, sort of a general question and a short question with not a lot of other specifics, I'm going to go with this response. Being in that bind of do I choose myself or the other person twists us up inside and when we feel that tension, when we feel kind of afraid that we might upset somebody if we don't make a decision that's in their favor instead of in ours, we get scared and our immediate reaction to that is, let me just go ahead and make this other person happy. I'll just cancel my hair appointment and it's not that big of a deal. I'll just wait till next month. and get my hair done. We just automatically go to that default setting of putting our needs second. So when we're faced with a decision and we really need to choose ourselves, we really need to make what's on our to-do list a priority, we are going to be kind of wrestling with potential Upset from someone else, and so we're just put in a in a bind, in a rock in a hard place. And until we get a really good, clear signal from ourselves of what is a yes for us and what is a no, and we learn how to trust ourselves and we find our voice so that we can speak our no, until we have a little bit of of those things under under our belt, decisions are hard. They are placing us in that sort of internal tug of war. I did just think about some, some other reason why decisions are hard. And this is kind of a general answer. Because I think when we're younger, we might have been overridden a lot. Like we might have been ignored. Um, people didn't really ask us our opinion we didn't really get a chance to kind of play around with making decisions and actually dealing with the consequences of those decisions. So without that practice on small things as a kid and without people helping us and guiding us through it, like, well, what do you want to do? Or, well, what do you think she'll, uh, Sally will feel about that? You know, without just our parental... <laughs> guidance and caregivers, you know, paying attention to these little binds that we get in or these dilemmas that we get in and helping us through it. We don't really have a lot of practice and decision-making. And so that makes kind of every decision feel like a big deal. Like we could, we could fail, we could make the wrong decision. um, And again, we could upset somebody. Okay. Next question. (laughs) Why do I apologize for shit that doesn't matter? Yeah, I feel yeah. I actually did a podcast on this. It was my first podcast, which was about unnecessary apologies. So if you need some validation on why you're even asking this question, go listen to episode one and you'll see that I really do get <laughs> why apologizing for small shit that doesn't matter. Ugh, it drains us. I think it's an automatic response, honestly. I think that apologizing is something that we've learned to do to kind of disarm people to kind of make ourselves kind of that one down sort of like when you make self-deprecating comments or when comedians make fun of themselves it's you know it's a way for us to feel a little bit more in control of our our worthiness <laughs> like oh my bad i know i'm always late And I'm so sorry, you know, that kind of thing before anyone can glare at you for being late and you feel that sting of judgment. So why we apologize, I think it's, we've learned, it's a learned behavior. It's like in um, a conditioned response and like dog training or something like that. We get conditioned to feel that other person's energy being disarmed when we apologize and we like that control or we like when another person isn't upset. And so we know that if we can apologize, we can cut down on them being upset and we can also take the hit before they shame us or criticize us. So that's why we apologize for small shit that doesn't matter. Why are there some certain people or qualities And people that trigger me and make me feel small, acquiesce, or be accommodating. Yep. Yep. Okay. So first of all, I just want to name some qualities that just came to mind as I was reading that. There are personality traits, I'll speak for myself, see if you resonate, that are just hard for me to be around. And I just immediately go into that default mode of being small and being very accommodating and easy to get along with. And those personality traits are, let's say, people that talk very fast and talk a lot. I don't really feel like they want to hear what I have to say. And so I just kind of go into nodding and making facial gestures that let them know that I'm listening. And I fully egg them on with those things, but I don't feel comfortable. It feels like I'm going to have to interrupt them. I don't feel comfortable interrupting them to add to the conversation. And I kind of pick up on the fact that they don't really want to hear what I have to say anyway. They talk fast. They fill up the space. They don't really give you space and conversation to participate. (laughs) So um, they're hard to be around. People that are loud I think a lot of us people pleasers fall onto the spectrum of highly sensitive folks. We are sensitive to energy. We pick up on energy and read the room very easily. So, people that are loud are commanding attention. And again, we just go into default mode of like, okay, you can have the attention. I don't, I don't, I'm not really a person that fights for attention anyway. So, I'll just play along and you can have the attention. People that are angry are really hard for me to be around. People that sort of are clipped in the way that they talk or what they say feels kind of sharp and edgy. You can hear them being judgmental of other people and what they say. Yeah, they just seem upset and there just isn't any openness to their energy. So I kind of disappear when somebody is angry. And that's... I think that's common. I hear that a lot from both people, pleasers and perfectionists, that we learn to get small, become invisible, and do things, do things perfectly so that we don't anger the important people around us. Also people that I decide know a lot more than me. Like if somebody is really up on current events which I try my hardest to be up on current events, but a lot of times I get overwhelmed by trying to understand all the peculiarities around government offices. And yeah, I just, uh, I have to monitor my emotional energy around current events anyway. So if somebody's talking with the authority, if they sound like they're smart, I'm automatically gonna say to myself, well, I don't know as much, and so I won't speak up. So I hope that talks a little bit about, you know, why there are certain people that trigger us to get small and be invisible and accommodate because I guess the theme of that, the common thread through those folks might be that their energy is big and so we just adjust and make our energy small. Let's see... What is the difference between being a people pleaser and being a supportive friend? Oh, this is a good one in the sense that I've been doing a lot of work with friendships and relationships. So I'm just going to hone in on a couple of bullet points here around this. When you're being a people pleaser with a friend, there's not a lot of boundaries. There's not, you're, you're going to be their yes person. We'll say it that way. If they're having a hard time with something, a breakup or a stressful time with their team at work or something like that, and you are just nodding your head and agreeing with everything that they say and letting them complain for hours and hours, not putting any time limits on the fact that you really needed to be home at 9 p.m. and now it's, you know, 12 a.m. and you've basically just Told them that everything that they think is correct and right. That's being a people pleaser. If you're going to be a supportive friend, you're going to move from that default setting, that automatic way of just being accommodating or um, caretaking, if you will, which is sort of like enabling them and their complaining. And you're going to be more action oriented, you're going to be more collaborative with them. You might ask them questions. You might ask them hard questions like, Hey, you know, this has been going on for a while. Like, what do you think? What do you think you're caught in with this? You know, maybe ask them to be reflective. We're not just sitting there, letting them complain to us for hours and agreeing that their boss, you know, is a giant a-hole we're actually being supportive in the sense of we're asking them to talk with us and we're offering an outside perspective where we might even offer advice if that's the kind of friendship you have especially if they ask like what do you think I should do we don't defer and say oh whatever you think is fine I mean you're doing a great job as it is no we might actually give them feedback And again, it's not to be like a supportive person is, you know, this person that shows up and gives advice and asks hard questions. No, but it's, you are active in the relationship. You are not just letting them sort of bulldoze you with their reactivity, their pain, and you just become The basket that all of that gets put into, and you just hold it and you never say anything about it. Supportive is you actually showing up and participating in the conversation and pointing some things out that you see, asking questions that will get them kind of out of that spin. That is how you're supportive. So you are actually more, you show up more in the relationship than just being that trash can they dump all of their complaining into. (laughs) Okay, I think I'm going to do one more because, wow, I'm looking at the time and realizing that I want to answer more questions. Here's the last one. Someone has told me that I'm being controlling if I'm being a pleaser and that I'm being manipulative. I don't feel like that. Why do some people think that people pleasers are just being controlling. Oh. Okay. Here's the world according to Vicky, <laughs> which this whole podcast is. I don't see people pleasers as being manipulative at all. I see people pleasing as a well-worn coping strategy. I see it as a part of our personality that is always working to create safety and security and keep us out of fight or flight. I really love internal family systems for this reason, because when we get this judgmental spin on our coping strategies, like saying they're manipulative or controlling, I just, internal family system just says no way, no how. Like you need to know what's going on with your coping strategy and learn about that part of you that shows up in does that coping strategy for you it is a part of your inner world and it has a job and I fully have let myself off the hook about trying to judge myself and say I'm being manipulative by people pleasing Mm -mm, I don't think so anymore I think I'm just trying to create safety for myself by making other people happy that's what that people pleaser part feels like it's doing Um, These parts of us, according to Internal Family Systems, which is all just parts of your personality that help you manage and organize and get through life, these parts have jobs. And so the people pleaser, in general, has a job to make other people like us, so they'll stick around. And so we'll feel connected to them and we'll feel supported and we'll feel like we belong. And if you're manipulating somebody that is like more hurtful in nature. And I know sometimes people manipulate unintentionally, but manipulation is more hurtful. People pleasing is more, how do I cope in relationships? Because relationships can feel scary to me. They can feel like I could be rejected or criticized at any moment. Manipulation is like, how do you gain control over someone? Um, How do you make them do what you want them to do? People-pleasing is, again, a way that we are trying to cope and manage our fears in relationships. And the way that we manage that fear is that we become likable. We become easygoing. We do not um, rock the boat so therefore you have no reason why you wouldn't want to be around us and then we feel like oh good I belong I'm connected to you so that is your people pleaser parts job and I no longer believe that we are being controlling everybody has ways of trying to make it in the world and so this is just one of the ones that we've chosen and we can change how, how much we turn it on, how intense it is for us. Okay. That was fun. I kind of liked that. I just hoping that you got something out of that. I would love to hear if you have a question that I didn't get to, just let me know, uh, send me an email, Vicky at power to the or head over to the Instagram and check out what I have in my feed around answering some of these questions. Again, they'll be super short answers, but this has been fun. Thanks for hanging out and I'll talk to you later. Okay. The number one most requested, top of the wish list skill that my people pleasing clients say this is what I want to work on is confident boundary setting. Well, I have a little different take on how to finally get those words out of your mouth and stand up for yourself and stand behind yourself as you say them. And that is to feel calmer inside, to be able to calm your nerves, to be able to kind of get a handle on your emotions so that you can actually form the words and state your boundaries And I created a little something for you. It's called shaky to confident. It's a list of ways to actually soothe your nervous system. You're going to want to get this friends, because these are small things that you can do. And let me just say, they're not hacks, but they are tools that you can begin to practice and just see how it feels inside your skin. All right. So go to the show notes and just look for shaky to confident and welcome to feeling more ease in your body. All right, later gators. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If this has been helpful for you, I'd so appreciate it if you could take a moment and just rate and review, and then others might be able to find us more easily. And please also share with friends that could use this information too. Okay, thanks again, and I look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Take care.